0: Money is freedom, and freedom is fun. To me, debt is uh, one of those things that's widely misunderstood. And there are a lot of feelings about debt. Okay? There's a lot of emotional baggage. But when you get right down to it, all debt is is borrowing money from someone, essentially someone who had extra money, and uh, paying them for the use of their money. You take a young family. Without debt, most young families would not be able to buy a house. It simply takes too long to accumulate the amount of money that's necessary to buy a house. So the idea is that they can go in and buy a house and pay for it over a period of time. That's not a bad thing. Actually, that's a good thing. It allows a lot of people to have homes that they can care for and take care of and suits their family that they wouldn't be able to afford otherwise. That's not a bad thing. And yet, somehow our society has kind of turned it around as if, you know, as long as you owe somebody money, you know, they control you in some fashion. But I've never seen it that way. It's just the opposite, is I took control of my situation. I borrowed money. It's a good deal for both of us. I get this house, that person who had extra money gets interest for the use of their money. I'm paying them rent for the use of their money. And as long as that rent is fair, it's a good deal for everybody. So one of the things that debt does is it creates liquidity when we don't have any. So the same thing's true to a certain degree if you buy a car. If you buy an appliance for your home, if you buy uh, furniture, say, I don't have to have the money up front in order to have decent beds for my family. I can borrow that money. And as long as it's a fair exchange, as long as I'm not paying ridiculous rates or anything for that money, then that's a good thing. I just don't. Pay for it with money I have today. I pay for it with money I'm going to earn into the future. So when you take all the emotional baggage away from it, it's just an exchange. It's another transaction that that you engage in that actually has benefits for you. Where I think people get into trouble with debt is that sometimes the use of like credit cards and things allows them to buy things that maybe they don't really want or need. And the corollary to that is many of those things that we want or need don't retain much value. So if you use a credit card to go buy a 60-inch TV, and uh, the 60-inch TV costs you $1,500 or whatever, well, you're going to pay interest on the $1,500 as you pay it down. But the other part of that is is that once you walk out of the store, the TV's worth 200 bucks. I mean, truthfully, go on eBay or go to a garage sale and see what used TVs are. So you're paying this huge debt plus interest on something that has no value. That's not good. And for people who aren't disciplined, you know, that buy TVs and sound systems and eat dinner every night and all that kind of stuff, this this ball of debt can grow to a fairly substantial amount of money and there's nothing to show for it. Okay. once it's gone, it's gone. And now you have an issue. But I'd also argue that that's a relatively small group of people. I mean, most people manage their debt better than what's portrayed. I could do a whole thing on student debt. I'm not going to do that now. But I think uh, it's important to note that it's not debt that's necessarily good or bad. It's what you Use it for that's good or bad. So if you use debt to buy a house you couldn't afford otherwise and make the payments every month and it turns out that it was a good place for your family, then that's a good use of debt. If it's debt that you use to go to college to earn a degree that actually has value, that allows you to go out and get a good job and make good money, then that is a good use of debt. Okay. If you use You know, student debt to go to Harvard to get a teaching job, okay, incurring $200,000 of student debt to get a job that pays you $50,000 a year, that wasn't a very good use of debt, okay, but student loans in general... You know, I suppose it has to do with what you're going to do with them, but, I mean, it's just another use. And for many people, they wouldn't be able to go to school without using student loans. If you buy a car that is going to retain its value and allow you to have a job someplace, okay, that's probably a good use of debt. If you go out and buy a fancy new sports car with debt, well, okay, But it's probably going to lose a lot of its value really quick. And you may regret doing that later. But in each of these instances, you know, you got to note, what did I buy with the borrowed money? And I think that is the real key. And as long as you make wise spending decisions and keep your debt to a manageable level where you can make the payments every month, I would say the use of debt is probably a net good rather than a net bad for most people. Well, one of the things I say to people is, you know, when you get money or or you're looking ahead is, you know, what what can I spend money on that actually will help me earn more money? One of the interesting things that happens, and, and we're seeing more and more of this today, is that financial advisors are getting more involved in career management. You come to me and you say, I don't know how to get ahead or whatever. Well, maybe I can help you find a way to boost your earnings by 10% a year. See, one of the interesting things about salaries and stuff is that, you know, they tend to gain momentum, you know. If you're in a dead-end job and you don't get much salary, then you know getting increases every year doesn't add much to your wealth. But if you make a job jump and get a nice big increase, okay, so now I just made a jump that paid me 20% more, say. Well, my salary compounds off that new amount, not off the old amount, right? So one of the things that people can do is get additional training. You know, another thing people can do is they can keep their eyes open for other opportunities. I mean, a lot of people get into a job they kind of like, don't think much about it, but in fact, there are other opportunities around them where they may make a jump that would make a significant difference to them and their family going forward. In some cases, especially, you know, with a little gender base, you know, uh, women jump in and out of the workforce more than men do. Well, if, if I can help you make a decision about a career that will boost your earnings by a chunk then that makes a huge difference going forward those are the kinds of things that that you can look at that, you know if i took a couple of classes or got a new certification or if uh, i decided that it was worth my time to drive 30 minutes uh, each day you know a little bit of a commute in order to make a lot more money, well then that would make perfect sense. So, you know, you just have to weigh those things, but you have to be thoughtful about it, and I think that's where a lot of people fail. It's not that they don't want to do better, it's just they aren't very thoughtful about it. I didn't take physics, but I know enough about physics to understand inertia. Things that, you know, are stable tend to say stable, and ten- things that have chaos tend to be more chaotic. Well, I think all of us kind of gravitate towards stability, but I'm not sure that's always to our best interest. You know, sometimes you need to be out on the edge a little bit. You need to be doing things. My wife spent a whole year, I mean, not a whole year, a whole career in education. And uh, teachers are smart, creative people, but they're also pretty complacent. They get contracts, and unless you screw up somehow, that contract will be renewed every year for the rest of your career. So it's real easy to just kind of settle in and say, oh, well, I'll be taken care of and I'll get a nice pension later on. But it's surprising how many of those people, when they look back, say, well, I wish I'd made a change, or I wish I'd gone someplace else, or I wish I'd taught a different class. They let the complacency kind of lure them into doing nothing when they'd probably been happier if they'd done something. There's an old story where a crowded vendor is selling fishing lures on a wharf. The lures are uniquely bright and colorful, and he can barely keep up with the man. A would-be fisherman hollers over the noise. So, do the fish like these lures? The crusty old vendor grins back and answers, Mister, I ain't selling them to fish. Investment salespeople understand this. They have a new and exciting investment idea every single day. Those CNBC talking heads are interviewing the flashiest expert with the shiniest baubles. It's alluring, intriguing, and distracting. And it sells. What it doesn't do is catch fish. If the ideas don't get you where you're going, then they are poison to your plans. Let's work together to reach your destination. Remember, money is freedom, and freedom is fun.